This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to remind you, peace of mind is tough to come by these days unless you have a Liberty Safe. With a Liberty Safe, you won't worry when you leave the house because you'll know your valuables are protected. And right now, you can get free delivery to your home on any Liberty Safe. Go to LibertySafe.com for factory direct pricing. LibertySafe.com, made in the USA, lifetime warranty, and peace of mind. LibertySafe.com. We've had a really fascinating discussion today um, that is focused on the Internet and the role that is played with fake news. I want to take it to public shaming, the way we crucify each other on the Internet, and then we move on with our life. We say horrible things about each other, or if it's worse, You have said something, and then it's been taken, and all of a sudden, you're the number one trending topic in the world. You're like, what the... And your life changes, but everybody moves on after we've wrecked your life. So You've Been Publicly Shamed is a name of a book by John Ronson, and he has talked to some of the most famous criminals of Twitter. I mean, people who have said horrible things where we all had to stop our life and comment on them. And then we moved on. What happened to them? We start there right now. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn All right, I want to start with the story of Justine Sacco. Ever heard of her? Ever, do you know the name Justine Sacco? Anybody? Anybody? Stu does. Well, Stu does. Just because we talked about Anybody it else? a little bit. Yeah, you, you know, so you remember? Ago, yeah. yeah, okay. But you would not know that name if you were the average person. Right. Yet, you most likely know the story. And we're going to start there with uh, John Ronson, uh, author of the book, So You've Been Publicly Shamed. Hello, John. How are you, sir? Hey, Glenn. I'm well. How are you? I'm really good. I um, uh, We were having this conversation the other day, uh, about a month ago, uh, internally, and we're like, what happens to these people? We've just moved on with our life, but their life is just a wreck. And Stu is a fan of yours and read this book, and he said, oh, you've got to read this book. So we wanted to bring you on to tell some of the stories, because they are truly fascinating. They are. And, and by the way, I'm glad that you equated it in a way to fake news, because I think the two things are kind of connected. I do, um, too. In, yeah, in a story like Justine Sacco, the world... Wait, 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 wait. wait. Before we get there, uh-huh. explain how you think they're connected. Well, because when something like the Justine Sacco incident happens, uh, and there's many incidents like that, the world gets to know a tiny sliver of information about a person, and then they decide to draw huge amounts of inferences 
um, a, a person is defined uh, in their totality by a single tweet that they wrote. Um, and then all hell breaks loose. So in a way, it's kind of like fake news. It's like you take a little slither of a fact that means nothing and you create an entire narrative out of it. But isn't it also a lot like celebrity news? I mean, the paparazzi, they take one picture, they mm. take one salacious piece, and your whole life is destroyed. Yeah, I, I remember someone saying to me, um, you know, one of the ironies is that Twitter uh, claims to hate tabloids and tabloid yeah. television. Yeah, uh-huh. that's exactly how, how we behave every day. It is. It yeah. is. Okay, so um, this so is a Justine story of hypocrisies, I think. So Justine, she gets onto a plane and she's going to South Africa. Yeah. And before she gets on the plane, she tweets. Yeah. Well, she'd been tweeting little stupid jokes all day. So when she went from New York to London, she tweeted something about a German passenger with BO. I mean, she was not great on Twitter. She was kind of acerbic and not hugely likable, but she had 170 Twitter followers and was basically basically a, a bad comedian tweeting into an empty room. So she gets to uh, Heathrow and she writes the tweet that then went around the world. Uh, and the tweet was, going to Africa, hope I don't get AIDS, just kidding, I'm white. Uh, now, mm. um, I mean, not not good. <laughs> however, you think? <laughs> however, when I met Justine Sacco a couple of weeks later, I, I'm to this day the only journalist who's ever interviewed her, and I met her in a bar, and I asked her to explain the joke, and she said, "Living in America puts us in a bit of a bubble when it comes to what is going on in the third world." I was making fun of that bubble. So when you look at it in that perspective, it's not as bad a joke. And that's, I think, kind of obvious from the joke. I mean, people are acting as if she thought white people couldn't get AIDS, which is obviously completely absurd. It's obvious she was commenting on this disconnect between America and what goes on around the world. And, you know, you say it's a bad joke and it is a tasteless joke and, you know, not funny because she's not a comedian. But isn't that, I mean, it, it, jokes are kind of like art. It's all, you know, subjective uh, to, to some regard. And everybody does that. Everybody jokes. It's not like you have to have a license to make a joke. Sure. I mean, I suppose what you could say about that joke is that it's a kind of poorly executed version of a, of a kind of honorable liberal joke. Um, so, for instance, it's exactly the kind of joke that's made in South Park all the time. It's, a, it's, it's the kind of joke mm-hmm. that Randy Newman, who I love, has, has made his, has based a career on. You, you do a kind of exaggerated version of your own privilege and mock it. So it's, it was actually a left-wing joke. Um, mm-hmm. But she never got a chance to explain that to anybody because of what happened next. So we'll okay. see what happened next. So she gets onto the plane. They seal the door. They say, turn off your phones and your devices, and uh, we'll turn them back on once you get to South Africa. Right. Any, anybody who has flown over just the continent of Africa knows that's a never-ending trip. <laughs> it was about 11 hours of, yeah. of blissful ignorance. She slept. Um, there was no Wi-Fi internet on the plane. Um, so, and then she, um, woke up 
at, at Cape Town as the plane was taxiing on the runway. She turned on her phone and immediately a text came up from a friend, from somebody she hadn't spoken to in 20 years, that said, I am so sorry to see what's happening to you right now. Uh, and then so she looked at it kind of baffled, had no idea what, what was going on. And then another text from her best friend that said, you need to call me right now. You are the worldwide number one trending topic on Twitter. Imagine how your heart would sink. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, what is happening? Right. And so what was happening was mm-hmm. ugly. Yeah, I mean, hor- horrendous. I should say that I, I don't, some people see this as a, as a kind of politically biased story, um, mainly because in this particular story, it was um, the left going after her more, I'd say, than the right, although kind of everybody went after her. But these stories happen all the time. Sometimes it's the right against the left. Sometimes it's the left against the right. It's the kind of horrificness of the story, I think, that matters, as opposed to um, which side of the political spectrum you're on. And, and she is, was, and she was actually left. It was left going after left, after left. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, so the first thing that happened was one of 170 Twitter followers sent the tweet to a journalist at Gorka uh, called Sam oh Biddle. God. I know, and and, that, and so he delightedly retweeted it uh, to his 15,000 followers, saying. Um, uh, in fact, I spoke to Sam Biddle not long afterwards, and I said, how did that feel to have started the onslaught against Justine? And he said it felt delicious. And then he said, mm. but I'm sure she's okay now. But she wasn't okay. Unbelievable. Yeah, Unbelievable. I'm sure she's okay now. You know, you know we, we love to play psychological tricks on ourselves to not feel bad about the bad things that we do. So, um, so when you met with her, how long after this absolute firestorm she lost her job she i mean her life was destroyed in the book you in the book you say well it wasn't you know necessarily the perfect job for you and she's like yeah i i think it was my ultimate dream job that she lost it was she and the thing is it was everybody her shaming was a shaming that the whole world could get behind so philanthropists started shaming her and tweeting things like, in the light of this disgusting joke, I am donating to Aid to Africa. And then trolls started going after her, saying somebody HIV positive should rape her, and then we'll find out oh if her skin colour protects her from AIDS. Of course, oh, nobody geez. went after that person. Um, hipsters went after yeah. her. A hashtag started trending worldwide. Hashtag has Justine landed yet? Um, and so, and people were tweeting that I, I'm in this bar, and I really want to go home and go to bed, but I can't until Justine Sacco lands, and I see what happens when she turns on her phone. <laughs> um, and some, she and she didn't even know when she's walking in the airport. I saw this in your book, a picture of mm-hmm. her walking in the airport, and somebody takes a picture and tweets, "Here she's finally landed, and she's wearing sunglasses to hide her shame." Did she even know at the time? At, at that point, she knew. I think she'd, she'd found out, because that was a baggage claim, and she found out as, as she was getting off the plane. So I think she'd known for about 20 minutes. But I wouldn't <laughs> say it was, well, was it shame? I mean, it was certainly fear and distress yeah. and yeah. agony, and maybe some shame. Um, 
She, oh, oh you know, corporations got involved. Uh, GoGo, the internet, the, the white, you know, the flight yeah. internet people tweeted something like, next time you're getting on a plane, Justine Sacco, maybe you should choose a GoGo flight. So corporations <laughs> got involved. Um, of course, her, her, her employers essentially fired her over Twitter. Um, somebody linked to a flight tracker website so the whole world could watch as her plane um, got closer and closer to landing. Uh, <laughs> These are the worst sta- okay. instincts so, of humanity. So I, mean, I, I, I want to I, I go, because there's a couple of things in this story. We have two other stories I want to get to, but there's some other things in this story about group madness and and what you write about, about a, a poorly worded joke, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, but I, I, I want to know uh, how long after did you talk to her, and have you talked to her since? What, what has changed in her life? Well, I, okay, so the first time I talked to her was probably about two weeks later when I met her in a bar, and she was just crushed. I mean, she, she couldn't stop crying. Um, she she just couldn't believe the sort of mess you know, that, that the whole world had got her wrong. Um, she just couldn't, she couldn't believe it. And then I spoke to her again a couple of months after that. Um, she lost her job and she continued to lose her job for about a year when she finally got a new job. And of course, when Twitter found out that she'd finally got a new job after a year, they tried to get her fired all over again. Oh, my what? God. <laughs> I know. Cause, you know, when we watch Making a Murderer, whose side are we on? We're on the side of the kind-hearted defense attorney. But when we have the power, what do we turn into? Hanging judges. Mm. Um, I know. It's really, we are, we are witch hunters. Yeah, but I don't, want to, I don't want to go too far with the metaphors, but I remember at one point in the midst of this, I sort of yelled to my, to my wife, it's like year zero, it's like the Khmer Rouge. And my yeah. wife is like, it's not like the Khmer Rouge. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. But honestly, it is the <laughs> same mentality of the witch hunt. We're just not burning them at the stake, but it yeah. is the same group insanity. Yeah, it, it really is. And it's done, um, you know, in the old days, social sports. Uh, in the old days, social psychologists would say that this is madness. This is literal madness that we lose our sense of sanity in a crowd. But I don't think that was what was happening. What, what was happening was um, people, you know, within the echo chamber of Twitter, People wanted to, it was like a sort of form of performance piety. People wanted to show the people who followed them on Twitter that mm. they cared about people dying of AIDS in Africa. So um, to, to perform wow. that kind of uh, public compassion, everybody committed this profoundly uncompassionate act of tearing somebody apart while she was asleep on a plane. Mm. All right, yeah. John, uh, we'll be back uh, with John uh, Ronson. The name of the book is So You've Been Publicly Shamed. It is a fascinating look at the past, but also the future, because we are one tweet away, each of us, from this happening to us. And you think you're not, um, uh, you know, open for this. Well, she didn't think so either. Everybody is. She had 170 Twitter followers. Nobody was following her. And now this. Very few companies change an entire industry, but Simply Safe Home Security did. They took an antiquated, expensive industry, something you were paying $50 a month for, and nobody questioning. 
you'd go and you'd buy a new home and there would already be the security system there and you'd be like, okay, just call them up. And if you wanted to change, they have to come in and change all of the stuff out. So you were paying 50 or 60 bucks a month for the monitoring. No, you're not. You're not. And this is free. No, you, no, it's not. You're paying for it by uh, over and over and over again by accepting a $50 fee every month to monitor. Simply say for a limited time has a $200 off special off their Defender package. 17 security sensors, panic button, blaring siren, wireless connection to the authorities, dispatches the police or fires the minute something happens. 24-7 monitoring, which is $15 a month and no long-term contract. This is the future and they are changing the way everything is being done. Go to simplysafebeck.com. Uh, the uh, offer ends soon. $200 off their uh, Defender package. Check it out. Do your own homework yourself. Compare and contrast. There's no way, if you are a thinking human being, that I, I, I can find it reasonable that you wouldn't go, uh, this is a no-brainer. Simplysafebeck.com. Go there now. Simplysafebeck.com. The Glenn Beck Program. Stream the show live on iHeartRadio or listen later on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. Mercury. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and, and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. The Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. So, John... We were talking during the break. We're with uh, John Ronson. So you've been publicly shamed. We're talking about that uh, woman um, uh, that went over to Africa on the plane. She tweeted something. It was taken out of context. She was incommunicado for 11 hours. The world went crazy. We're looking for our tweet. We think that we tweeted a a kind of a... We talked about it. We talked about it. We talked about it. Uh, a, a a weak defense of her because we didn't know all the all the facts, but we were like, this sounds like a joke. It's written that way. It looks right. like it's a joke mocking the separation. Right. So, mm. so and, and we're looking up for the tweets because we believe we were also attacked. And this is the problem. This is why people don't say, "Hey guys, let's be reasonable," because yeah. then immediately, oh, of course you're saying that you're a hater too. Right. In fact, um, a really great. British feminist writer called Helen Lewis uh, that night tweeted, I'm not sure 
Justine Sacco deserves what she's getting. Maybe her tweet wasn't intended to be racist. And straight away, she got a whole bunch of tweets like, well, you're just a privileged bitch, too. Yep. So, so, and she, so to her shame, she, she, she wrote about my book, and that's how I know this story. Uh, to her shame, she, she stayed silent and watched as Justin Sacco's life got torn apart. And she feels bad about that now. Yeah, and feels bad about it. How does the, how does the gawker guy feel? Um, you know, actually, um, in the summer, he, he, he wrote another article about her when he discovered that she'd got a new job. Wrote another article saying, you know, the lousy has-been's got a new job. So Justine, who I've stayed in touch with the whole time, emailed him and said, look, we've got to have a drink to sort this out. So he met her for a drink and then wrote a bit of a mea culpa article afterwards. Um, yeah, so, so he, he did some mea culpa. Mm. Really quite amazing how we don't see people as people. Yeah, I, and, you know, both sides do it. Um, that story in particular from my book became really famous because I, I wrote an extract from it for the New York Times and it became really famous. And, and I think a few people misunderstood as a result, thought my book was an attack on, on the left. But that's not it at all. I mean, there's plenty of stories no, in my book about the right doing exactly yeah, it's the not, same thing. It's, it's not a left or right thing. It's a human thing. It's like racism. Yeah, racism a, exists everywhere. It's a human thing. It, for me, it's a story about justice. Like, you know, what we did with Justine Sacco was we tried her, convicted her, and sentenced her to a year in purgatory, not getting another job, while she was asleep on the plane and had no idea there was even a trial. And not only was there no feelings of guilt about that, people thought it was hilarious. The number of tweets that were like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to my Friday night. Hashtag oh has Justine Sacco landed yet, maybe the best thing to happen to my Friday night. People thought it was so funny that she was, um, unaware we, of her destruction. We, we, have, we have two more stories of destruction, and are we engaging in this? Next. We are the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. John Ronson is with us. He is the uh, author of So You've Been Publicly Shamed. We've been talking about fake news, um, and I- I'm particularly interested in the ability of the average person to destroy and to be destroyed, because now we're all publishers. Uh, we are all able to publish something to the entire world, and the entire world gets to judge a book by your one tweet or your one Facebook um, uh, mention, and that, that's it. I mean, we are judging a book by the cover. And it's a frightening thing when you come to think about it and you see the 
people who have been destroyed. Um, John, should we go to uh, should we go to Hank? And uh, how do you say her name? Uh, Adria. Adria. Yeah. Okay. So tell us about Hank and Adria. Yeah, this is a particularly, I think, kind of upsetting and difficult story. Um, so it begins at a tech conference in Santa Clara. Hank is sitting chatting to a friend. Uh, making stupid kind of beavis and butthead type jokes. There's some something's happening on the stage about dongles, and Hank whispers to his friend something about dongles, like some kind of stupid dope joke, but like whisper. Um, as he told me afterwards, it wasn't even conversation level volume. So the woman sitting in front turns and takes a photograph, and Hank assumes that um, she's taking a photograph of the crowd, so he tries to not get in her shot. But then a few minutes later, Hank and his friend are called out of the conference and told that there'd been a complaint about sexual language. So they apologized. And then because they're kind of nerdy guys, they left the conference. You know, they didn't like conflict, so they left the conference. On their way to the airport, they thought, what happened there? Like, what happened? And the nightmare scenario was that the woman in front had complained via a public tweet on Twitter. And that is exactly what happened. She'd she'd sent, um, she'd tweeted the photograph of the two men uh, with the comment, something like, not cool, jokes about big dongles right behind me. Um, And so two days later, Hank was called into his boss's office and fired. Um, so that night, Hank went on to Hacker News, a message board, saying what had happened, saying, you know, I, I was fired, you know, I, I shouldn't have said what I said, but the woman in front just smiled and sealed my face. It's not even her business. It wasn't directed to her. It wasn't, I mean, why does anybody care? Right. Well, okay. Let me before we go on to that. Can I tell you what happened next? Yes. I think what happened next is really important too. Um, so Hank was fired, and then Four Chan and the other groups all decided to get Adria. Now, um, and so she was then subjected to months and months of photographs of beheaded women with tape over their mouths. Oh, my and, gosh. Yeah, death threats and rape threats, and she lost her job, too. So it was just carnage. I mean, everyone was just like babies crawling towards guns. Um, and <laughs> I, I think what that story <laughs> shows is that, you know, we are, social media is such a kind of primitive thing, and all we can think to do is lurch towards outrage and lurch towards shaming so a woman shames a man in an inappropriate way what did the men then do shame her back in an even more inappropriate way um i I think you know these are the i think these are the stories that maybe in years to come will form um chapters in books about how donald trump ended up being our president i I think you're i think in many ways you're right I, i will tell you this um this is probably about six years ago, and I would like to go back into the Twitter feeds and see what could be found now. Um, yeah. But I remember as a family, we were in a park in New York. And, Ron, you're from uh, the U.K., right? Right, yes, yes. yes. But so I'm not sure if you know how unpopular I can be in the United States. But <laughs> I, am, um, I am aware. You're aware. <laughs> uh, I've made international fame. Um, so uh, uh, I was in the, um, uh, the uh, Bryant Park when I was in New York, and 
people were mocking my family and one woman spilled wine on my wife intentionally. And the reason why we know is because they started tweeting things about Glenn Beck's family is here and ha ha ha, how funny it is. I uh, accidentally, in quotation marks, spilled wine on his wife. People also think that they're invisible while yeah. they're, you know what I mean? And maybe that's six years ago. But these people in this crowd didn't, didn't think that we would also be reading what's being said. And did you do anything about it? We left. Right. Um, I, just took my, I just took my family. We were surrounded. My, my, my children and my wife got up to go to the bathroom, and they were almost half a block away from me, and they were being chanted at, we don't want your kind here. Um, and it was, it was just, it was a mob scene. It was right. a mob scene. Certainly. This is why I, I personally, as a kind of centrist, I think kind of conciliatory centrism has become really unfashionable. And there should have been more of it the night that Justine Sacco got destroyed. But in fact, being a centrist was, was considered to be like a weakness. Like if anybody said, let's wait for her to land so we can hear what she has to say right. about her joke, people thought that was kind of pathetic weakness. Right. Like, why should we wait to hear what she has to say? We know what she means. That was a clue to her kind of secret inner evil. So as a result, I really admire anybody who's, who's trying to move away from this kind of you know, pollution of polarization. And, I, and I've noticed that that's what you've been doing lately, Glenn, and I, I, I really appreciate it. I think people on all sides need to do what, what you're well, trying to do. I will tell you, John, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, because the first thing is to make people aware of what's happening what, and to start to see people that are on Twitter mm-hmm. as people. Because yeah. I don't think we would do this. Well, I mean, I just told you a story in Bryant Park where it was in person. But for the average <laughs> person, I don't. Thank yeah, you, right. I, I'm going back, so I'm not a person anymore. Right. Um, uh, but, and you're right. Everybody is now. You know, everybody on on Twitter has become. It's, everybody on Twitter has become like corporations that have to learn damage limitation, which is very <laughs> stressful. Given that Twitter was supposed to be kind of fun. I mean, our yeah. point of Twitter was that it was supposed to be like a kind of fun, a fun way to connect with our fellow humans. Uh, was it? John, Go ahead. John you, this is an interesting point on this because um, the two examples we've talked about so far, both Justine Sacco and uh, the guy with the dongle joke, I think to a conservative audience, you say, yeah, this is ridiculous. You, you know, you make a kind of an off-color joke and maybe it's not right, but you get beat up and you get fired for it. Mm-hmm. I like that the the um, example you have of, of Lindsay Stone, because to our audience, I think it's, it's more challenging, but all right. the same principles apply here. Yes, absolutely. So Lindsay Stone, you couldn't meet a nicer person. I mean, on many levels, Lindsay is even more sympathetic. I mean, I think all my people are sympathetic, but, you know, she, she works with adults with learning difficulties and was great at her job. Um, took them on a trip to Washington, D.C., uh, so they went to the Mint and they went to the Holocaust Museum and then they went to Arlington and Lindsay and her friend had this little douchey joke that they would share amongst their Facebook friends and the joke was to stand in front of a sign and do the opposite so they would smoke in front of a no smoking sign or you know loiter in front of a no loitering sign it was just like a little private joke anyway at Arlington um, they see a sign that says keep off the grass and they thought, should we? And then they thought, no, we don't want to get into trouble. So then they saw another sign that said, silence and respect. 
And so, as Lindsay told me later, inspiration struck. So she <laughs> <laughs> so posed in front of the side, pretending to shout and flip the bird. Uh, and so she posted it on Facebook. And then a friend of hers who was in the military said, I think that's kind of disrespectful. You should take it down. And Lindsay went, uh, oh, don't be ridiculous. It's just us being us. You know, it doesn't mean anything. Um, and then they forgot all about it. And then a month later, suddenly it just went super viral. Uh, some pro-military website had picked up on it. And she got everything that Justine got, death threats, rape threats. Um, and, it, and because it was from the right, it was like things like, you know, when, when it was Justine, it was like typical privileged white woman. When it was Lindsay, it was typical feminist. So it's exactly the same, exactly the same demonization uh, happening just from the different spectrum. And it went on and on and on. And Lindsay was completely ill-equipped to deal with it. So she went from being this happy-go-lucky young woman who went to karaoke to somebody who stayed home for a year and a half having suicidal thoughts, depression, anxiety, insomnia. Of course, she lost her job, too. Um, and, you know, by the time... Go on, sorry. No, no, go ahead. By the well, time... By the time I met her, you know, she again, she was just crushed. I mean, we, we always end these stories by thinking, well, I'm sure they're fine now. But they're not... I mean, people kill themselves. Um, everybody I spoke to will have contemplated suicide. Um, but some people do kill themselves. Uh, frequently, people kill themselves because of social media shamings. And there's no outrage about that because we don't want to feel bad about the bad things that we do. And so, but there doesn't seem to be a line in our society anymore of, you know, like if Barack Obama went into Arlington and flipped him off and, and started fake screaming in front of the sign, I think there would be a righteous <laughs> outrage over that act. But right. some person we, we don't know, we don't know anything about we all them. want to be outraged. Yeah, why? Why? I don't want to live like that. Why does everyone either. want to live like that? I don't yeah. get it. It's, it's this, I think it's in part because social media was, uh, in, its, in its earliest form, it was this kind of, kind of beautiful egalitarian thing where suddenly everybody had a voice so voiceless people had a voice and by voiceless i mean you know people from marginalized communities and i, and I also mean people who were so socially awkward in real life that when yeah, you met yeah. them at a party they'd just be standing in the corner of the room but suddenly they on, on social media they were funny and, and eloquent and this was like powerful but and then we thought wow we can do things we can right wrongs so we would get people who kind of deserved it. I mean, I, I can think of lots of stories from the early days of social media when a corporation had done something really bad and social media put pressure on them and they changed their policy. Um, but then, you know, I think what happened was that a day without a shaming felt like a day sort of picking fingernails and treading water. It's like we fell in love with getting people so much so, that we lowered our standards and started getting anyone. Let me ask you this. Are, uh -huh. Have you watched Westworld, the TV show on HBO? Yes, I have. I watched the last episode last night. Okay. It was great, wasn't it? Great. Um, uh, one of the best endings, but I, I, uh, let's just stay on track. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, riddled with a. Come back for another hour long interview yeah. on Westworld. Uh, so, John, <laughs> the question in the park is um, Does the park make you into something or does it reveal who you are? 
I think in terms of social media, part of, the, part of it is this is lying dormant within all of us, but it's also partly because of the technology itself. Um, you know, social media is created by engineers. You know, it's engineers who own Silicon Valley. And what do engineers love? They love stability. They love everything going along nicely. Um, and that's why I think Twitter has evolved into a kind of echo chamber where we surround ourselves with people who feel the same way we do and we approve mm-hmm. each other and that's like a good feeling and then and it's such a powerful feeling that when somebody gets in the way who's not like us like Lindsay Stone or Justin Sacco we're like a machine furiously ejecting a destabilizing fragment so I think the the machine contributes to 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 the problem John, I would love to have you in um, and spend more time with you in person because I just think you're a fascinating guy. And this is this is something that I think historians will be reporting on. This is the beginning of a massive cultural change globally. Um, And what we do and how we behave and how we each of us act as leaders in our own home, in our own uh, circle of influence uh, and how we either hang ourselves or don't hang ourselves as individuals is important. And I'm glad you're watching this, John. Thank you so much. Thank you, Glenn. I really appreciate it. You bet. Um, John Ronson, uh, the name of the book is So You've Been Publicly Shamed. It is a fascinating look yeah. of stories that you have heard, but you've never heard it from their side. You've never seen what happened afterwards. Isn't it amazing? He's the only, only person in the media to reach out to her to this day. Well, at least successfully. I, don't, I mean, right. you know, since he wrote about it, I'm sure people have been interested. But well, I'm sure, I'm sure people also. She's not, she's not taking very many. No, um, <laughs> no she, she doesn't know. Yeah. yeah. My Patriot Supply is uh, our sponsor this half hour, and I, I want to take this out of the crazy town. You know, hey, uh, I think the whole world is going to collapse. I mean, <laughs> who believes that? Um, I want to take it to um, tough economic times. I grew up in a house uh, where we had powdered milk. And it is so funny because I thought everybody had powdered milk uh, growing up. And I used to hate it. Um, uh, but that's what we had. Well, that was because we weren't poor. But, you know, folks had a hard time making ends meet. Right now, four-week emergency food supply to help you in that. Only $99. Three meals a day for an entire month. 1-800-200-7163. 1-800-200-7163. Or preparewithglenn.com. Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. Mercury. I spent 45 minutes with John Ronson, and I can't remember, uh, you know, I I didn't think I had ever met him. We've had a couple of brushes with uh, Ronson. Uh, One of them, I was in California, and um, he asked to meet because he was trying to figure out what to, 
how to understand American politics. And I think we did an off the record half hour where he was so curious and just was like, look, I've got some questions, but I don't know what any of this means because I'm British. And I was I was really impressed with him. He is he's a guy I probably don't agree with on much, but he really tries to get it right. This is the Glenn Beck program. Mercury.